from the Mercy One Studio. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith. Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Menno is in session. And good morning from the Mercy One Studios in West Des Moines. And for the first time in 10 weeks, Gina, we are both in studio to do this. I'm loving it. Yeah. This is so much easier to have a conversation. It is. It is, rather than having to look at each other through the Skype thing and signal each other with our hands. And that awkward technological uh, pause before we speak. Right. And uh, uh, fortunately, there's no cat in the studio here like there was in my house to jump all over things and disconnect me. So it looks like uh, uh, we've made it through the technological hurdle anyway. So exactly. This we is are. nice. Here Welcome we to everyone. Before we go too much further, I wanted to congratulate all the Knights of Columbus. Father Michael McGivney is to be beatified. Father McGivney, of course, is the founder of the Knights of Columbus. He found the Knights in the Clum- of Columbus back in the what, 1870s, 1880s, something like that, uh, in one parish in Connecticut, and it has grown to a worldwide uh, charitable movement uh, today. And so, talk about defenders of the faith. Right. Those gentlemen are amazing for life, for our faith, for the truth. Um, we couldn't uh, organize our churches without them. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I was before I was ordained, I was a little more active in the Knights, uh, especially the ceremonial things, you know, where you put on the coat, capes and the plumes and all that, which they don't have anymore now. They kind of sport jackets and berets, which I think takes some of the pageantry out of it. But uh, I feel like I've seen them in their pageantry, maybe at Christ Our Life Conference. Well, or they, well I, don't, I don't know. They, there was a transition they went through from all the formal garb they wore to something less formal. I like the formal stuff because it was a pageantry to what they did, and there was a pageantry. For for example, I remember many times I was down at the cathedral for an ordination of a priest. You know, that should be pageantry, Which, you know. With pageantry. And, uh, and, uh, but now it, they, they've changed a little bit, but then I'm, I'm still a knight, still a fourth-degree knight, but not as active as I, uh, as I used to be. All right. Well, well congratulations we are, to them. Yes, congratulations to them, and uh, we'll uh, find out more about the beatification when that's going to take place. But I guess uh, Pope Francis just recently approved uh, a miracle uh, that was uh, performed on his behalf. So very beautiful. Yes, we will see. That's wonderful. We will see. All right. Looks like some of our churches are starting to open again now. I uh, saw that. The president is. Uh, stepped up the push to get churches open and uh, it's probably about time somebody did that because uh, there were some places where it was just almost impossible to go to church exactly and uh, and some of the rules in some of these states that had closed down uh, were um, so over the top that they were ticketing people that were in church parking lots listening to a sermon over low band fm and yes. uh, somehow that was well, that. and we last week I, we had a story about a rabbi conducting services in his backyard mm-hmm. uh, for his small congregation, and they were 
what invaded by the police, by the police. To, to be arrested. And it was interesting and what what we were told by the attorney uh, yesterday that for certain prayers, the Jews have to have Orthodox right. Jews have to have so many people there. Ten so men, right? Have, have so have that ten it men makes or it impossible like to there. have less. So than it was ten. impossible to do it by yourself, right? And so, and there are places now where. Even as the churches are open, they're not allowing them to distribute communion. Right. Uh, well, so the beautiful comparisons um, are being made all over uh, when the churches are mandated to remain closed, and yet there's all these other movie theaters or grocery stores or um, well, that warehouses. Was, that was a point Christopher Farrar was making last week, that it's not so much that you close them down, it's that you're not closing down everybody equally. Exactly. And what happens is when Target is open and the church is not allowed to be open, you've got a little bit of a problem there. And that's where the, uh, the issue, at least for the, the, the mainstream uh, Christian legal community, that's where the problem is in that discrepancy between what one person can do and what another person can do. Right, picking winners and losers. Picking winners and losers. All right, do you have a prayer to open us up with? I do. In the name of the Father and the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. God of peace, bring your peace to our violent world, peace in the hearts of all men and women, and peace among the nations of the earth. Turn to your way of love those whose hearts and minds are consumed with hatred. Strengthen us in hope. Give us the wisdom and the courage to work tirelessly for a world where true peace and love reign among nations and in the hearts of all. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Gina. Now that we're back in the studio, our text line is open again, 515-223-1150. If you have any comments or questions, you can send them in, and we they should appear on our screen right here. And we will be back with our first guest, Brian Birch, in just a minute. This is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Thank you, Blessment International, for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Everyone lives their life 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. How we use that time directly affects if our life will leave a significant impact or not. Each year, Blessment International leads Central Iowans on a 12-day, all-inclusive experience sharing the heart of Christ with children in South Africa. Teams are forming to do something significant in an African child's life. Learn more at BlessmentInternational.org. That's BlessmentInternational.org. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop, ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall, online at bigredq des moines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. 
Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. And welcome back. You're listening to Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio. Uh, one of the things we talk about a lot here in, on this program is religious liberty, and so we're bringing uh, in today Brian Birch, who is president of Catholic Vote, to talk about how religious liberty may be affected by the upcoming election. Brian, how are you today? I'm very good. Good to be with you all. Thank you. Nice to have you. Ever been to Iowa before, by the way? Well, I'm involved in politics, so of course I've been to Iowa, good. Des Moines specifically, and I was been there for several. Uh, caucus night so uh, but even though i live in a neighboring state i've only been there only a few times well sounds to me like you came at just the right yeah, time that's when everybody comes to Iowa. we, we don't come for best. the fair anymore they come for the caucuses every four years very good <laughs> ryan what's the uh, what's the outlook for religious liberty uh in this election uh, i know there are going to be some issues involving religion and religious liberty um where are we going with all of this well, like most issues, I think uh, this election is going to uh, determine a lot, uh, and there is an, a not uh, not a few number of issues, uh, religious liberty being one of them, that could dramatically affect the Catholic Church as an institution and Catholic believers in, in their individual ability to uh, both act upon and live out the faith in public life. And as you know, uh, President Trump has reversed course on a number of policies the previous administration had put in place. And I think a lot of those changes, unfortunately, uh, have not been passed by Congress. They were done by executive order. And that means that a new administration could just as easily remove those. And so there is some deep concern, depending on what happens in November, some of the the protections that have recently been put in place uh, could actually be rescinded. Well, let's talk, when we talk about protections, let's talk a little bit about about, uh, the Little Sisters of the Poor. It seems to me that they had uh, gotten enough protection when the Supreme Court ruled in their favor a couple of years ago, uh, and then the uh, administration uh, put in uh, protections for the Little Sisters of the Poor in the uh, regulations uh, that they had, yet the Little Sisters of the Poor find themselves back in court again. What in the world is happening there, and how do we stop it? Well, you're absolutely right, and the Little Sisters are just one plaintiff uh, that represent many different religiously inspired or religiously affiliated institutions. So this is not just one single organization that may be impacted. And you're right, they've been fighting in the courts for seven years or more uh, merely for their, for their constitutionally protected uh, right to live out the faith and the exercise of their mission. Specifically, they do not want to provide a health care uh, 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 coverage to their employees. Uh, obviously, elder women who take care of indigent uh, elderly uh, uh, that includes contraception or abortion drug coverage. 
and the Obama administration took them to court, uh, threatened to find them and shut them down if they didn't agree to this. They were initially successful. Uh, they went back. Uh, the certain states challenged uh, that decision, uh, the application specifically of that decision. Uh, the president, President Trump, put in place by executive order uh, a new, uh, essentially rescinded um, the ability of the government to apply the HHS mandate against them. Uh, and several attorney generals, including the attorney general of Pennsylvania, a Democrat, has taken the little sisters to court again, uh, challenging the application of, of this new uh, um, uh, order by President Trump. And so the little sisters are caught in this ongoing legal, legal battle for something that I think common sense should tell us should have been resolved a long time ago. And I believe uh, California took them to court, too. And I think it was in the California case that the Little Sisters tried to intervene, and um, the state fought that. They didn't even want the Little Sisters to uh, have their voice in court. Of course they don't, because they're a very difficult, sympathetic client that the public looks at and says, my goodness, how could the government possibly have any interest in trying to force these nuns who are uh, trying to do something or care for people who are poor and dying how could the government have any interest in trying to, to coerce them and, and to threaten them with their very existence if they don't engage in, in providing abortion drugs to their, to their employees? It's just preposterous. And, and so, yes, this election, very much uh, many of these issues are riding on it. And in fact, we have almost a perfect storm here in many ways with the coronavirus and the challenge that that's posed to the church. Of course, our, our self-induced... Um, uh, difficulties in the church itself from the sex abuse crisis that we're coming out of in many places and, and the damage that has done. And now the possibility of this, of, of, uh, of real political hostility uh, if, if things go the wrong way. And I think that political hostility could add to this already difficult moment that the church is in and, and really be, um, spell a whole, whole uh, parade of horribles and, and difficult consequences. Um, um, uh, come November. Hey, Brian, so during this uh, coronavirus, we've noticed quite a bit of, we've seen anyway, those who are rather hostile to the church and to faith. Um, So elections really do matter for us, for sure, and especially for the Little Sisters. Now, we talked about the mandate that's uh, under review by the courts, but uh, this wasn't part of the ACA or the Obamacare um, legislation. It was a rule that came down from HHS uh, in their implementation of the laws. So in order for us to, and one president uh, okayed it and another president eliminated it, you know, and this could go on for years back and forth, but uh, are there legislators that are trying to codify uh, the safety provisions for those of faith, including the Little Sisters? There are indeed. There has been a number of bills proposed in the House of Representatives to correct the HHS mandate in law, and this would make it obviously permanent uh, were it to pass the House, pass the Senate, and then be signed by a president. The challenge, of course, has been over the last decade since Obamacare has been put in place is we've had these shifts in control over different branches of Congress and, and the Senate, and then, of course, in the Senate, move legislation, you have to get a supermajority to break a filibuster. And so it's been impossible, at least up until this point, to get a bill like that over the line. There have been some uh, modest uh, protections, of course, the Hyde Amendment being principal among them, 
that addresses the question of taxpayer funding of abortion, uh, but related to this provision that requires policies uh, to include abortion drug and, and abortifacient uh, contraceptive coverage, uh, there has not been a successful legislative remedy yet um, that succeeded. Okay. So elections do matter is what we know. And, and if these things need to be taken into account as permanent, yeah, it's okay to argue them in the courts, but it seems like they just keep coming up with some new loophole that it's like Groundhog Day, I yeah. think, mm-hmm. in this particular That's issue. right. That's right. Um, out there today, as we uh, are trying to deal with this coronavirus, and we see a lot of resistance in many areas to allow churches to fully open, uh, what does that say about where the political um, winds may blow uh, during this uh, upcoming campaign and election? Mm, very good question. Uh, of course, the underlying debate about churches opening is really a scientific one. Is it safe to do it? And if it is, how to do it safely? And there are lots of people with different opinions about that. It seems to me very reasonable. And for example, in a church that holds a thousand people, that you can have more than 10 people in there safely. Uh, so, but there, that debate is ongoing. I think the question you raise, though, is, is, is an interesting one, and that is, uh, I think we all sense that this health and in, in pandemic is being used as a pretext, for a, 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 by some at least, uh, to really attack religious exercise itself. Um, and this is not new to the pandemic. The pandemic just gave them more fodder and, and more reason to pretend under the guise of science that religious activity needed to be curtailed. And so I think what this this suggests, and, and certainly um, what it related even to, uh, you know, the Little Sisters case, is that there are government leaders, including those seeking high office in this country, who are willing to use uh, the, the full force of the government, even when entirely unreasonable, uh, to coerce the free exercise of religious in, the, in this country. And, and we have to recall that this is the reason this country was founded, is so that people of faith could practice their belief and pursue their salvation uh, uh, free of government interference. And so this is, uh, this is fundamental to what we believe as Americans, and we have to responsibly resist the efforts on the part of, of state officials or government, federal or state officials, that we that we believe are acting unreasonably and certainly unconstitutionally in many cases. Exactly. So we're coming up on a uh, primary election here in Iowa for our Iowa listeners, uh, June second, next Tuesday. Um, and you're part of an organization called Catholic Vote. So tell us how your resources would be helpful to some of our primary voters here in Iowa. Well, sure. Well. We see ourselves as, a lay, um, you know, obviously, we are a lay organization. Uh, we do politics, which the church uh, as an institution doesn't necessarily do in the traditional sense, nor should they do. So we get behind candidates. We try to help candidates win. And more importantly, we try to help Catholics to understand and best apply the faith to political questions and to, you know, electoral choices. And so certainly... Uh, when it comes to those sorts of things, we have a lot of resources on our website. We also are, we actually are involved in a number of races in your, in your Iowa primary, at least one in particular in Iowa too. 
Uh, and so we will be marshalling some of the resources of our organization to try to help some candidates in those races that we believe uh, are aligned with the values of Catholics. And so the most important thing that all your listeners have to understand is that we need every Catholic, especially Catholics who uh, believe and follow the, the teachings of the Church to vote. And too often, many of our Catholic friends, and you may be surprised, uh, as many as 30% of active church-attending, mass-attending Catholics, uh, right now, uh, according to our research, are not voting regularly. And so encourage your friends to get out there and vote. It's very, very important that Catholics show up. You know, I often wonder why it's so difficult for Catholics, um, especially, to understand um, the need for them to be politically involved and, and to especially to vote. Have you had any research or studies sure. or ideas about that? Well, there's some studies that have been done in general on why people don't vote. And the, there's top, really t- three top reasons why people claim they don't vote. Number one, uh, they were too busy. Number two, they forgot. Or number three, uh, they think their vote doesn't matter. Uh, given what we've just spent a couple minutes talking about uh, over the course of the show, certainly no number three is untrue. Your vote absolutely does matter. The Little Sisters will tell you your vote matters, and so that seems to be um, tossed that one out. But with respect to um, being too busy or you forgot, there's no question uh, voting disrupts the routine of your day. You have to wake up earlier. You have to expand your lunch break. You have to go to a polling place where you may have to stand in line. I I get it. Um, But we as Catholics, of all people, have to recognize that... um, those that that small sacrifice is really important. In fact, we have a moral duty uh, to participate in public life. That's what the church teaches us. And so, um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I do believe the catechism talks about our civic responsibilities. That's right. We aren't just individuals living in atomized existence in our in our homes. We we live in in communities with other persons, and then we have an obligation to each other out of charity uh, and to our responsibilities to the common good, to participate in the public life of our communities. And as Americans, that means principally in many ways uh, voting and electing leaders who will protect the common good. Voting uh, seems to be an easy thing to do. You talk about sacrifices. It takes you a little bit longer in the day. Uh, Go to Omaha Beach and look at the uh, uh, cemeteries there. Those are the people that sacrificed uh, it doesn't take much to get up and to go and to vote. And if you can't make it, you can always get an absentee ballot. My wife and I just voted by absentee in the, uh, uh, in, the in the primary election. Brian, before we let you go, uh, why don't you give us your website and where people can go to get further information on what you are doing. And to support you. And to support you, yes. Absolutely. Well, as our name suggests, Catholic Vote, uh, we are available at catholicvote.org. You can go to that website, and the easiest thing is to sign up for our, our, our morning newsletter. It's called The Loop. Uh, it's our most popular thing. It gives you the top five or seven biggest stories going on in politics. Uh, the church gives you a quick uh, summary of the readings, uh, usually some, something fun and lighthearted. Everyone, it's really popular. It takes you about 60 seconds to read. But if you sign up for The Loop, uh, you'll keep up with all the things that we're doing, and, and certainly we'd love to stay in touch. 
Very good. Well, we thank you very much for joining us. We're about out of yes, time now, you, but we uh, we appreciate you uh, you joining us, even if you uh, only make it here every four years. At least you make it <laughs> once in a while on the radio. Thank you very much. Brian Birch, president of Catholic Vote, and that's catholicvote.org. And check out that website and sign up for The Loop. This is Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio, and we will be right back after these messages. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at DesMoines-DentalAssociates.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. Information about Pharmatan and other products at ImogeneIngredients.com. Paul and Paul are members of St. Augustine's Knights of Columbus and encourage their brother knights to keep standing for their faith. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. High pressure is moving into our area, but it looks like the clouds will stick around through the afternoon, breezy and mid-70s. We'll be clearing up after midnight tonight, down to about 53, and then we get a sunny and breezy day tomorrow. Temperatures stay pretty nice, right around 72. Fair for the weekend. The weather is brought to you by Divine Treasures, a Catholic book and gift store, serving the Des Moines community for over 25 years. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. And welcome back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio in Des Moines. Um, the past uh, couple of weeks, if you've been following um, the news, uh, there's a documentary out that claims that Norma McCorvey, who was the Roe in Roe versus Wade, 
was uh, paid to take that position, was paid to become uh, pro-life, as she had been. Uh, that is, um, that, uh, of course, has been met with uh, a lot of opposition by people who knew her. One of the people that I think knows her the best is Father Frank Pavone, who is the National Director of Priests for Life. Father, are you there? Hi, yes. Thank you for having me. Certainly. Welcome back to the program. Great to be back. Good. Uh, all right, let's talk about Norma McCorvey. Um, you know yeah. her. Uh, what's the story there? Are the, is this new documentary uh, just a, a puff thing, or is it, uh, uh, it is. an attempt to, it sab- is. to sabotage what you're doing? It, it is. The, the, you know, the, the, the documentary really does not deserve any credibility uh, for a number of reasons. Um, I was um, very close to Norma. We communicated constantly over 22 years. I was not surprised by anything I saw in the documentary. Norma was very, very uh, damaged. She could be very, very uh, self-contradictory at times. The way that you knew where Norma stood on an issue was really only with the passage of time. Uh, and I guess we can say this about, about a lot of us, too, but what, what the, the, where this documentary is very, very weak is that it takes a few minutes of conversation with Norma in the final months of her life, and um, and and tries to and and by the way, there there are minutes of conversation that are hanging in the air. In other words, you don't hear most of the time what the question was that was posed to her that she's answering, and you don't hear any follow up or any follow up clarifications and whatnot. Talking to Norma, you always had to have clarifying question. She was a very, very uh, simple woman. Uh, she would say things, and then you would say, well, Norma, do you mean this? She says, no, 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 well, no, I don't mean that. Here's what I mean is this. You needed follow-up with her in order to understand what she was saying at any given time. And again, we lived through this for 22 years. So it's not just a matter of looking at uh, a conversation and trying to say, that that erased 22 years of conversations, not only that we had with her per- privately, but that we had with her publicly. I mean, it's out there on, on, you know, thousands of hours of videotape, and, I mean, she made her position very, very clear. But what I want to point out to our listeners, too, is this, that all of this controversy is not simply a matter of words. It can't be simply a matter of words. Whatever happened, and I'm not, I'm not hearing it in this debate at all over Norma, Whatever happened to that, that, that familiar axiom, actions speak louder than words. It wasn't that Norma simply said one day, oh, I'm pro-life now. What she did is what counts. What she did, not only in terms of saving lives, counseling women out of abortion, sharing the story of what abortion is, um, and she took legal action also to ask the court to nullify Roe versus Wade. She actually took a formal legal action on that. But besides all that, what I want to point out to people is what she suffered. This is a person who, because of her involvement in the Roe v. Wade case and because of having worked in abortion facilities, and then on top of that, all the woundedness that she had from her life uh, growing up, she went through healing processes with us under our guidance, Rachel's Vineyard, um, which is the largest ministry for healing after abortion, and it doesn't only help people who have had abortions, because Norma did not, 
but it helps people who have been involved in the abortion industry, which Norma was. So she went through that. And then the individual counseling, we had several uh, different clergy besides myself ministering to her over the course of all these years. And we had psychologists and psychiatrists and other mental health professionals who got to know her and were assisting her within the pro-life movement. One would have to assert, and and it would be pretty um, absurd to do so, that all these professionals, over all these years, seeing Norma go through all the suffering and sacrifice that she went through in order to find some healing and peace, witnessing her tears, seeing her struggles, observing her grief, that all of this somehow can be erased by some out-of-context comments at the end of her life taken by a stranger who, by the way, was paying her for doing the documentary. So uh, that's my, <laughs> I think that's the initial framework that we have to set up here for a, uh, a little bit more of a, of a sober uh, consideration of what is going on here with, uh, with this documentary. How old was Norma when she passed? 69. 69. And uh, the impression that I get is that um, she may not have had all of her faculties uh, toward the end. Well, she was... I communicated with her right up until the day of her death. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can tell you what her frame of mind was. Um, Let's go back to... She died in February 2017. If we go back to the end of 2015, so a little bit over a year before she died, she moved out of a house where she was living with um, a pro-life activist in the Dallas area. This woman, Angie, was very, very gracious to let Norma live in her home for three years. And Angie, by the way, also saw this documentary and said it, it is not, uh, not a portrayal of what Norma thought in those, in those final years. But in any case, um, she was with Angie. And then I was helping her, as was uh, Janet Morana here from Priest for Life, uh, to uh, working with uh, uh, Norma's daughter, Melissa. We were helping to find the appropriate health care facility for Norma to stay in, some kind of assisted living facility that would give her enough care but also enough independence because Norma always had a very strong independent streak uh, to her. The, the, what characterized, uh, and, and this, so this transition started to happen in December 2015 into January 2016. And, and, and she was, uh, what characterized that period of time is that, first of all, she felt that it was time for her to step back from the, the activism that she had been engaged in in the pro-life movement. And, uh, and she pretty much was in sort of a retirement mode when she was living with Angie, too. But she sent me an email at the end of 2015 saying, Father, you know, I can't do this work anymore. You're going to have to carry on for me, you know, you and the, the other activists in the movement, and, uh, you know, carry, carry this on, and, and let's make sure that we get rid of this Roe v. Wade. And that was the, the attitude she constantly expressed in that final year of her life. I have other texts from her uh, indicating the same kind, of, uh, the same kind of, of thing. But I also have texts from her indicating... And, and we, I visited with her, of course, regularly, and we conversed, that she was very, very nervous and anxious about her financial condition, uh, and she was very also uncertain about her, her relationship with her daughter. We often had to be sort of a bridge of communication 
And, of course, she was uncertain about her declining health. This put her in a situation of, 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 uh, of great distress. And uh, it was in that context that one day she wrote to me, and on the very same day, her texts read that uh, she said, I'm sitting here broke and extremely upset. Um, and then that very same day, and then she said, you know, I'm very frustrated with some of the pro-life people uh, because there were people who, you know, uh, she had been in contact with and they weren't getting back to her because some of them didn't know where she had gone to, you know, and, and, and she was moving around. And um, and she said, I, 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 can't, I can't stand this. You know, I, I, I don't want to have anything to do with these people anymore. So she had a certain frustration with some of the people in the pro-life movement. It was on that very same day that she wrote to me and said, Oh, Father, this guy from Australia who came down from New York is filming a documentary with me here today, and uh, he's going to give me money for it, so I'm really happy about that. So here she is in this very, very negative frame of mind towards many people in the pro-life movement. But here she is communicating with me that, you know, the goal is the same, and she's on board, and, and she's, uh, you know, she wants us to carry on the work. So that's the that was the kind of frame of mind she was in um, as that as the taping of this thing started. And by the way, being it was that was May that was May of 2016 that she sent me the message that she had begun the taping. It was not a deathbed confession. She didn't die until February of 2017. Okay. You know, this was something that she was receiving active payment for and and, and talking about through those um, uh, through those final months. Do you know anything about the people that? Uh made or produced the documentary no uh they did not approach me uh strangely enough i mean they knew they used some of my footage um from my uh, my ewtn programs where i had interviewed norma but um you know a lot of people were asking me that was just they knew that they knew how well you know i knew her why didn't they ask you to sit down and give some input what? interestingly see, we have to ask what's going on here because if this was such a bombshell, okay, that she said at the end of her life that she was no longer pro-life, what, what the heck happened the day after she died? I mean, why wouldn't they release this right away? Why wasn't that part of the, the news cycle mm-hmm. uh, of when she died, right? Editing. And, and there's, some, yeah. there's something else going on here. And that, I think, has a lot to do with Reverend Rob Schenk, who plays a prominent role in the video. I know him very well also. And unfortunately... I think that what in the end we might see here is that this documentary is more about the change of mind than of Rob Shank than of Norma mm-hmm. McCorvey. Because he, although he was a very strong pro-life activist and was involved with the rest of us in ministering to Norma, he, not at the time that Norma died, not at the time that she died, but within these three subsequent years, he has taken on a more pro-choice position himself. Now, if you watch the documentary closely, he's the one interpreting Norma's thought and the way we treated Norma in the pro-life movement. So I think that uh, an honest assessment of this is that, you know, this may have a whole lot more to do with his change of heart than with Norma's. Gina, did you have something? Interesting. So... Welcome, Father Pavone. We're glad to have you Thank back. You. I Thank just you. love talking to you. You're so insightful for this movement. Um, so two things. They, um, the producers didn't, or the director or the uh, production crew did not speak to you or take a look at any of these texts at the end of her life. Right. Did they have any um, interaction with her daughter, who also was very intimately involved in uh, Norma's life? 
they had some interaction with her, and uh, um, in fact, they were there at the funeral. Now, imagine this: the funeral was not in a big church; it was in a big, it was in a chapel of the funeral home. Actually, I conducted the service, and they were there filming it because you can see the film there in the in the uh, documentary. And even there, when I was in the same room with them, they didn't talk to me. Um, they had to have some interaction with Melissa, Norma's daughter. How much she actually talked with them, I'm not sure. Okay. Over the course of Norma's life, there were a lot of people who wanted to do interviews and documentary film projects, and Norma was always a little uneasy about it. She, she, she always was, was happy for the opportunity to receive some payment, of course, but she, she was very wary of being misrepresented because she knew what the pro-abortion side had done to her. And so she would often come to me. And, and she would say, hey, Father, you know, take a look at this. Do you, are these people, do you know them? Should I get involved in this project? And so forth. Um, that didn't happen with this final one. But she often, you know, did that. And, 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 and not only that, but before any kind of uh, even articles or news stories or documentaries, even more so, before anything was ever released, you know what she would say to me? Hmm. And she would say to the people who were producing it, she would say, I want to review it and have the last word on approving it. Well, obviously, here's the thing that comes out three years after she after she dies, almost three and a half years. It's like this didn't get her. This didn't get her okay. You know, this didn't get her mm-hmm. final approval. So that we have to keep in mind as well. So uh, you've done a beautiful job of explaining her last years of life. But I noticed that um, I have not seen the film, but in the um, summary of the film, it describes her as a pro-choice advocate in the beginning of her life. And I had always understood her role in Roe v. Wade was almost like opportunistic for the attorneys, and that her situation was just more exploited. And once they got the thing off the ground and catapulted, she was kind of left in the dust. Would you ever describe her as a pro-choice advocate? Well, not see that's an, that's a very good question because not as pro-choice as Roe v. Wade is, and this is what people need to understand. And I think this is where we can bring good out of evil, so to speak, because the documentary is is very uh, to me who who knew Norma so well. It's very unfair uh, re- unfair representation of her. But this can be a moment when we remind people what Roe v. Wade really says. It permitted abortion throughout pregnancy, throughout, even in the final days, not only weeks, but days of a pregnancy, Mm -hmm. according to Roe v. Wade, you could have an abortion. Now, Norma never believed that. Never. Not even when she was on the other side. And this is what people have to understand, because Norma told the story herself over the years, and she, she, she has... By the way, people want to know more Norma McCorvey. She's got two books out. One is I Am Roe, before she converted over to the pro-life side. And the other is One by Love, which is after she became pro-life. Um, and she wrote actually a third supplement called My Journey into the Catholic Church. And as you know, I had the privilege of uh, receiving her into the Catholic Church and giving her the Sacrament of Confirmation Beautiful. back in 1998. Beautiful. But the point is that she has these books out there, right? And so what she describes in these books is that the even when she was being announced 
um, back in the 80s as the Roe of Roe v. Wade. There came a point where Gloria Allred, pro-abortion uh, um, attorney from California, decided to have a press conference to, you know, tell the world who this woman was. Do you know that at the night before the press conference she said to Gloria, well, you know, Gloria, I think abortion is wrong. Now, here she was on the other side, about to become the poster girl of the, of the pro-choice movement, and she's telling Gloria that abortion is wrong. Now, Norma also worked in abortion facilities. Oh, by the way, with that press conference, they yeah. put words in front of her. Oh, to Norma ask her to read the, them? To ask her to read them. Mm-hmm. She, she, and, Norma, and Norma looked at her and said, but, but these aren't my words. And Gloria, just like I mean, you know, the irony of this is that this is what the what the what people in the the, the document and it doesn't even say, it doesn't even say this explicitly in the documentary, but the the spin that's being given it is oh well we in the pro life movement just gave Norma the words to say and then she said it but she didn't believe it. No, it's exactly that's not what, what happened did. on ours. Mm-hmm. That's what happened with them. With yes. them. Uh, so, so, and Norma said that herself. But the other thing is that she, when she worked in the abortion facilities, you know what she used to do? She used to talk the women out of their abortions. Because <laughs> she was being honest with that. She said, she said, she told me, she said she got kicked out of like four abortion clinics because she was turning business away. Because she was saying to these, to these moms, she said, you know what they're going to do to your baby? And see, this is the other part of the story. Number one, we've got to use this to to remind people how extreme Roe v. Wade is. Not only did Norma never really accept it, the American people have never accepted it. No, right. We don't believe in abortion without without limits, right? Right. Secondly, it's the reality of what abortion is that stirred Norma, not only to tell these moms in the clinic, hey, you better really think about what they're going to do to your baby, but then to tell America, please think about what abortion does to the baby. She saw the, the ugly, gruesome, gory body parts torn apart by abortion. And you know what? No matter what people want to try to say about what Norma's life and her thoughts and, and her confessions and whatnot, abortion is what it is, what it always was, and what it always will be. Mm-hmm. That never changes, and that's what Norma pointed to. And never once in this documentary did she say that that violence, that gore, that killing of a baby is okay. Never said that. And, and, and in fact, she tried to educate the world about what it is. And this can be a moment where people say, okay, how do we rise above this debate? Maybe we ought to take another look at what abortion actually is, or at least quote the medical textbooks that describe how it's done. And the supporters of abortion never want to do that. Father, before we go, um, Priest for Life, uh, how do people get a hold of you through peace, uh, Priest for Life? Is there a, a website that they can go to? Indeed, yes. And our main website is now endabortion.us, and uh, that summarizes, of course, our mission uh, to end abortion, endabortion.us. And people should know that there they will find a whole family of ministries. We have a lot of diverse ministries, healing after abortion, uh, preparing people for the elections. We've got an important election coming up, uh, helping people spiritually, prayer campaigns, and all sorts of other things. Endabortion.us. Beautiful. Thank you very much. And before we go, Father, would you give us your blessing? Yes, may the Holy Spirit, whom we invoke during these days, who is the advocate for each of us in heaven, Come upon you and fill you and make you advocates, especially for the unborn. May he bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Thank you. God bless you, Father. Father Frank Pervone, who's National Director of Priests for Life. And we will be right back in a few minutes after these messages. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Thank you, Skeffington's Formal Wear, for sponsoring Dowling Catholic High School football. In business since 1951, Skeffington's Formal Wear offers quality service, style, and selection, providing tuxedos, suits, and casual groom attire for weddings, proms, and any other special occasion. Skeffington's Formal Wear, with convenient locations in Des Moines, West Des Moines, Davenport, Coralville, and Ankeny. All locations are family-owned and operated by members in their respective communities, fitting you for life celebrations, online at skeffingtons.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. Information about Pharmatan and other products at ImogeneIngredients.com. Paul and Paul are members of St. Augustine's Knights of Columbus and encourage their brother knights to keep standing for their faith. And we're back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. And Jim, we had a, another interesting program today. Oh, my goodness. Especially with Father Frank Pavone and Brian Birch. They were both very good. Yes, and I love how they both provided some resources for us uh, for our help us develop our conscience as we vote this mm-hmm. uh, election year. Our primary for Iowa is next Tuesday, next June Tuesday, 2nd. Right. Um, so whether you have a Republican ballot or a Democrat ballot, which I think are the only two kinds of ballots you can have in Iowa, um, use these resources of catholicvote.org or, um, what did he say? It's not, uh, oh, endabortion.org. U.S. And the is that right? Right. Uh, and I think you get probably get all the links there from uh, 
priestforlife.org. Um, but uh, it is interesting, and I think this is going to be a watershed election for us in the fall. Uh, we've made a lot of uh, uh, progress in our protect, not only protect life, but protect religious liberty uh, in the last few years. But I think that's all in jeopardy right now. I think uh, both of these guests that we had today have kind of indicated that. And I think if you go to their websites, you can get more information on that. And I think it's very important as Catholics and as people of faith um, that we take this very seriously. This is, this is going to be very important. And it's not anything you just brush off or say, well, you know, I've always voted this way, so I'm going to continue to vote this way. Look at these issues. Look at the people that are running. Look at what they're going to be saying. And look how they stand on the issues that are important to you and your conscience. Um, and remember that also they are helping, in many cases, um, fill the courts with uh, uh, judges that d- decide these cases and throw out laws and, and enact, not enact, although in some cases it feels that way. Yeah. But it supports the law. Yeah, that's right. you got to remember uh, when we're voting who it is that appoints the judges that are making these rulings and then who it is that uh, has to ratify them. Mm-hmm. You know, those are both important positions. And I, I have the feeling as wa- having watched politics ever since I was a kid, and as you can tell, I'm not a kid anymore, <laughs> um, that uh, one of the big reasons for uh, the Republican victory four years ago w- was the courts. People were looking at the courts. And uh, I think that's something that we still have to look at, whatever side of the aisle you're on. Look at it with a, a Catholic heart and, and, and see what each side is offering to do and then pray because exactly. this is something that you need some guidance for. Yep. Pray, ask the Holy Spirit to uh, get on, the, on board the train with you and help you make those decisions because it's going to be very, very important. You know, the next uh, election, you're going to w- walk into that voting booth and the two minutes you're there is going to govern the next four years. And, and it's, it's a, lot a lot so of responsibility. So it needs to be taken seriously. Uh, I'd like to get Father Pravone back uh, again sometime to talk about the upcoming threats to uh, right to life that are coming up because there's a lot of them that are, are, are coming up. But anyway, we're pretty much out of time, so uh, we're going to have to For another day. Thing. For another day. Let's say our St. Michael prayer. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. Well, that's it for this week. We'll be back again next week and every week thereafter on Thursday morning. So for Gina, Noel, and myself, thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of Faith on Trial. Until then, have a blessed and peaceful week. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial, Thursdays at 10 a.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com, and the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imaging Ingredients.